a Saturday afternoon special live stream. Uh, alongside me, uh, I've got Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells of Inside Texas. Uh, Texas completed its second and final scrimmage of fall camp earlier today. The Horns got on the field around 9.30. Scrimmage started around 10. Uh, Longhorns went through a number of plays, ran situationals, all kinds of different stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about what we've heard from behind the scenes. Media was not allowed at practice, so giving you the blow-by-blow and play-by-play is not going to happen. However, we have heard some things we're going to share with that. Uh, I also was at the IMG game last night. Uh, Two Longhorn commitments there, Jarek Gibson as well as uh, Jordan Johnson-Rebell, the safety uh, and the running back. Uh, Both of those guys look good for the Longhorns. Dominic McKinley, uh, the uh, defensive lineman out of Lafayette's Acadiana High School, he actually uh, took a pick six back last night as well in his first game of the year. Uh, guys, let's start with the first news and notes to really get going on, on this uh, fall scrimmage practice. We all heard the defense came out of the gate really strong. Jerry, you, you go ahead and start. Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, look, the crazy thing is, Justin, I heard the same thing. I mean, I mean, every, it seems like every time Texas is on the field right now, Manny Muhammad makes a play. He apparently caused another fumble today. That's two scrimmages in a row he's caused a turnover. Uh, we talk all the time about Texas having more playmakers now. That, these are some of these freshmen, Anthony Hill, Malik Muhammad. Anthony's uh, had strong practices, scrimmages the whole way through. But Manny Muhammad's um, creating turnovers at a pretty high rate for an uh, inexperienced player that's yet to play a college football game. That's one takeaway uh, uh, from me, um, obviously, we reported Savion Red still in a green jersey, still not back practicing. Cedric Baxter had a tremendous day from what we heard. He's getting more work in Tuesday night's practice. He had more work than he's had in any other fall practice. And today, uh, sounds like he, from what Justin and I and yourself heard, we all heard it, that Cedric Baxter had a strong scrimmage. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, Justin, uh, give us your latest as well that you've got. I know every- – by the way, if we're looking at our phones as we're taping this, don't get upset with anybody because that means that uh, there may be some news coming in. I'll just I'll put it that way. Uh, and if somebody has to leave to go take a phone call, understand that as well. Justin, uh, what did you learn today, buddy? Yeah, if you want to start, I'll start on the offensive side, uh, kind of echoing what Jerry said. Uh, today said C.J. Baxter was in breaking tackles mode. And he seems to have uh, – He's picking that up the last couple of weeks. Baxter, and I think we expected that. I mean, this is the biggest tailback on the on the roster. 218 pounds, looks fantastic. He looks great. And if he's getting around the edge, guys, because it's not just inside, outside zone. If he is getting around the edge, you're dealing with a new animal. And that's something I think Texas fans need to be cognizant of because Jonathan Brooks is going to be your day one starter. But at some point, I feel like Cedric Baxter is going to eat into those carries in 2023 if not from a goal line standpoint, short yardage situation, he's the kind of guy that gets low and goes through the hole. And so Baxter, to me, I think was one of the biggest takeaways. Uh, Quinn Ewers and A.D. Mitchell continue to connect on a regular basis. Uh, I I think we're seeing what we thought we were going to see from Ewers and Isaiah Nayor last year. We're seeing this with A.D. Mitchell. That's a really good point. I think that's a big, big thing because – that's going to take a, all, some pressure off of Xavier Worthy. He's not going to have that bracket coverage like he's used to seeing. And so that one was was also noteworthy. On the defensive side, you know, the front seven looked great. The defensive line looked great. Did the same thing last weekend. The defensive front looked great last weekend too. And so often we see that sometimes the defense might be a little bit ahead of the offense in that regard. Um, but Manny Muhammad forcing another fumble, uh, two more pass breakups, uh, just all over the all over the field. Anthony Hill getting another sack, getting another tackle for loss, being active. It's going to be really difficult to keep those two guys off the field. And that, and I'm saying that fully aware that Ryan Watts is a returning starter, and that they've got good linebacker play by Jalen Ford and those guys. And so right now, it, it, it just seems like those young pups are biting. Yeah, I, that, that's what I'm getting at. Um, the, the interesting thing, we also heard Ryan Watts got, got some, had some issues, Justin, right? Yeah. Ryan's Um, having a hard time. And this is the issue. And I, and I want to talk about this because I think it's interesting. Uh, Watts, the one thing that he does not have that the other three have is 
top-end speed, per se. Now, he's more physical than the other three top defensive backs by far, but he may be a 4-5-5 guy or a 4-6 guy, right? Whereas Brooks is going to run 4-5, 4-5-5. Holmes is probably 4-4, 4-4-5. And Muhammad is probably 4-4-5, something like that as well. So the fact that right now that's happening, I think it's two things. One, it's showing kind of why he may not be an NFL corner. Gary and I talked about this. Watts may be a college corner, right? NFL safety, which is yeah. where NFL people have Ryan Watts right now. That's one part of it. The other part of the equation is that Texas has some receivers. I mean, that's the other thing. Year, yeah. Last year, Jerry, they couldn't do anything with it because no offense, but once Isaiah Nayor went down, who's going to, who's going to really challenge him out there if Worthy's going up against the, the uh, field corner. I mean, your, your thoughts on that, Jerry? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, after the first scrimmage, uh, something I was told was that the, the corners feel like they're tested a lot more every day in practice and in the scrimmage. So when you hear maybe, okay, maybe Ryan Watts got beat a couple, three times today. Well, if that's A.D. Mitchell, I mean, that's a draft pick at wideout, right? I mean, that's the difference. After Isaiah Nair went down last year, there was nobody who was going to beat you deep in practice. So you could kind of jump on a lot of routes, right? I mean, you knew. You played up a little more. This year, it's a little different game. Uh, But I was told um, that the corners are really liking this fall camp because they are getting tested more. Uh, And they're getting tested all the way down the field vertically. Um, So they know the practices are a lot tougher this year. And the thing about it is, is, you know, you take you take uh, Xavier Worthy off the field and Jontae Cook comes in and he's explosive. Right. You take Jordan Winnington off the field and a DeAndre Moore is very smooth. Uh, And Isaiah Nayor coming in right behind A.D. Mitchell, uh, a vertical threat. So it's a lot more for these corners on a on a day to day a basis in practice. So that's one thing to just take into account. Got it. Uh, speaking with Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells of Inside Texas and on three guys, uh, it's talking about the second scrimmage, uh, the final scrimmage of this year. I uh, want to say a couple things. One, uh, it's our understanding. I, I need to pass some news and notes I got on uh, here. Uh, also, uh, Arch Manning and Malik Murphy uh, flip-flopped with the twos yet again today. Uh, Quinn Ewers was with the ones. So if you're looking for a decision out of out of uh, that, I can't give it to you right now because it, it appears Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have a decision yet. So let, let's be clear about that. How did those quarterbacks play? I have not got a full report on how either Quinn or Arch necessarily played. I, excuse me, not Quinn. Arch or Malik actually played. I'm waiting to get back more. We'll have more on that. As soon as we get it, and uh, you guys make sure you please check out InsideTexas.com. Uh, some of the guys, Justin, are already uh, – some of the players are already – have left practice, gone. They're at the lake. <laughs> they're, they're getting some R&R in their last uh, minute before uh, before they uh, have to get really buckled down for the season. Uh, Justin, you had something you look like you wanted to say there. Yeah, just on the Arch Manning, Malik Murphy front. You know, we went into camp – at least I did – fully fi- – feeling like Malik Murphy was going to be the backup going into this season. He had had a great spring. He had a good spring game, a lot of momentum. Uh, I know that, you know, that the staff really wanted to keep him in the boat, you know, because he had a couple other schools looking at him after the spring game. But Arch has really worked this summer. Like this guy, you know, when you saw a lot of kids taking vacations, Arch was traveling to California to work at quarterback, traveling to Tennessee to work at quarterback, with quarterback country like – Arch put in some work, and I can't wait to get some feedback from today's scrimmage because the last two weeks, Arch Manning has been the better backup quarterback. And, it, I, and we haven't been able to say that yet. We have hey, not. Jerry, been- Jerry, Jerry needs to add something here, too, Justin. By the way, he got something he was telling me today that, that is just on topic that you're hitting on right now. Lay it on me. Yeah, yeah. there uh, there was a thought uh, last weekend's scrimmage that he was well ahead just on play on the field, well ahead. Um, like, uh, it was easily seen. Uh, yeah. it, it, so, that, that I think – and, look, for Sark to come out and say a, 
he's playing at a high level. That's really something for, for Sark to say this early on. Kind of like when he says, you know, Anthony Hill, he's an off-the-ball linebacker, but we have pass rush packages for him. Th- those are things you don't hear that early on about these freshmen. You know, it's reminiscent of Sark and Michael Griffin on signing day last year saying Derek, Derek Williams could, could be a first-round pick. That's just not things you hear. So to hear Sark say Arch Manning's playing at a very high level a week and a half in the fall camp, it's pretty telling, guys. We've been doing Sark this a picks his words. Sark yeah. picks his words when he, when he does that, and, and I think that's – it's very interesting. I can't wait to get a little bit more confirmation on that. I do want to pivot real quick, though. Bobby, yeah. I went and saw Kobe Black on Tuesday. I caught up with Terry Bussey yesterday, but you were actually on the field. You went, you did some coverage yesterday, and you did some really good video work. Why don't you let everyone know? What, uh, you went you went back old school on us, man. Now, I did, by, I did. by coverage, we don't mean backpedaling. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I would see. I think on Liverpool Academy. I saw both uh, uh, Jarrett Gibson and Jordan Johnson rebel last night. Gibson had a couple touchdown runs, uh, was bottled up most of the first half, guys. Uh, but then he broke free. I think I, I can't even remember how long it was, 40, 50-yard run. Started the second half with a 50-yard run or so uh, to kind of put the game in. I don't. It, it didn't ice the game, but it put it out of reach for a Lipscomb team that was just simply overmatched. Uh, he is a physical runner uh, at one point in time. He knocked the kid out, just going to put it that way, with a knee to the to the either shoulder or face. I couldn't tell. The other piece was uh, that Jordan Johnson Rubel was not tested at all. Like, right. let's be clear. He was playing single high safety. They weren't going to let a long touchdown run happen to him with right. the defensive front that IMG has where they have four Division One players. They, they're just going to consume just about anything and everything up front. What I did like about Jordan Johnson Bell, he's high-hipped. You know, those guys that just longer, natural leg, more athletic. He looked really good, I thought. Uh, all in all, you didn't get to see much. It was the first game of the year, uh, but it was a fun one. I, I want to go back to MJ Allen real quick because I do want to answer this. Uh, thanks for the super chat, by the way, MJ. Uh, I heard the defense did well. Absolutely correct. We think they won the scrimmage early, at the very least. I want to say this, though, according to our onlookers, the offense the offense looked good later. Yeah. So the offense progressed. So this Just like dom- last week. Yes, this dominating thing. Let's be clear now. Yep. There was some give and take there. Uh, the real question is, does Jerry need his sunglasses after today's scrimmage? Has anybody heard anything on Alfred Collins, Jerry or Justin? I have not heard anything on Alfred Collins uh, today, no. Um and I'm glad I don't match shades because I can't find them. <laughs> Can anybody donate a pair of shades in a super chat? <laughs> we'll get you the address. Hey, uh, Jerry, what I what I was really asking about that one another another question that came up, and I'll and I'll take this one. We were asked if Alfred Collins played the five technique. We don't know yeah. today yet. We haven't gotten that kind of detail yet uh, this week. Uh, also, thank you. I, I, I can tell you this. I was told about an hour ago that uh, Texas really likes where they're at at the defensive line position. They're they're uh, they feel good about it. I'll say that. And I good. don't think we. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't really see much edge action, Alfred Collins, until week two. Like, there's zero reason to show that against Rice. Yeah. And God forbid, Bobby, you're hearing it could be a two thirty kickoff. Oh, man, that I, I know it's not as important, but that takeaway, that text earlier today, I, dudes are going to melt. <laughs> it is what I'm it is. I'm worried about the fans and the players, I'll be honest. <laughs> Yourself included, by the way. I, I mean, look, if there, I just hope there aren't passed out people on Bevo Boulevard that missed the game. <laughs> there will be. Uh, Chris Del Conte will have to figure something out with that seven-year extension he got <laughs> yesterday. Hey, um, this one from Rodolfo Esquivel. Did Worthy play? I know he's been sick. Yes, he's back. Yeah. Uh, he's and back. it's our understanding that he played uh, and had some some good things happen today. Uh, not necessarily uh, all that. Not necessarily something that we want to go out in there and say, oh, he had this kind of catch or that kind of catch. Uh, we didn't hear that quite yet, so not going to do it. All right, uh, this one from Sonny V. Super Chat, I'm ready to see a Longhorn team 
take the field that is locked and loaded and ready for battle. I, I think you speak, Sonny V, uh, for just about every Longhorn fan uh, at this point as well. It's just, it's one of those things that we've got to be, you know, we've got to be ready. Uh, and so I, I am at the point right now where I'm interested who the backup quarterback is going to be, guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, DJ Campbell did start again, was my understanding. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I've, I haven't put that in notes on Inside Texas yet, but needed to do that. I'll do that as soon as we get off here. Uh, uh, so Eric and the guys uh, have all that. Um, but long story short, I'm, I'm interested in that, how the guard, the other guards spot opens up, and then how they use Anthony Hill and Manny Muhammad now. Yeah. Because those are the ones that are unaccounted. That, look, we thought Anthony Hill was going to have a package, potentially. We talked about it all off summer. Yeah. None of us were saying, oh, well, Manny Muhammad might need to get on the field. Anybody here saying that? And he had a great spring, too, if you'll remember. <laughs> but, I mean, there's just a lot of depth there. I, I yeah. wasn't expecting that. I love some of these comments, Jerry. I you had classes. <laughs> I who I didn't I didn't know my dog had an account. A YouTube. I was about to say, Jerry, just go look in your kitchen. God, he doesn't even have thumbs. Hey, um, guys, this one we're still trying to check on a couple things. Uh, just so y'all know, and this is a question from Paxton. Thanks for uh, asking. How did the safety look? Safeties look. I didn't hear whether or not uh, whether or not Jalen Catalan. Or Jalen Gilbo at Star even participated today. Have you guys heard that? Because there was some, they're still working uh, Gilbo back in a little bit because of the knee. He's getting over stuff. And Catalan, they have been treating him with kid gloves. Uh, and frankly, there's no reason to get him injured no. two weeks out in a last last ditch scrimmage. Have you either of y'all heard uh, one way or the other on that? Not, not much not. on my end. Okay. Hey, Jerry, um, you, you had some other news. Uh, Dominic McKinley with the with the return in recruiting. They're asking about Kobe Black. Justin, you went up and saw him. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that real quick, too, as we wait for some more information potentially to come in. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Justin went to see Kobe Black. That one's obviously – he could – decision could come at any time. You know, I think we've talked about it a lot. These kids who had all these December dreams – those dreams are turning into more September reality, you know, in recruiting. Um, so we'll see. I mean, when Kobe actually announces, um, Dominic McKinley is set for September 1, the same day that uh, Acadiana plays Lafayette Christian Academy. So Dominic McKinley and Melvin Hills will be uh, playing against each other. Um, you know, I'm going to go down. I'm going to be down in Lafayette area Tuesday. I'm going to go see both those guys, uh, go by both schools. So for our Tuesday night live stream, I'll – absolutely have a report from Lafayette that day. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see more on that. I think, look, um, Dominic McKinley took last week off from Saturday through Friday, not talking to college coaches. Uh, get through the first week of school, I guess Sunday through Friday, get through the first week of school, kind of sit down as a family, talk about the recruiting process. They have now uh, – Reengage and are talking to college coaches uh, starting today, and so I, I do know that they've already talked to Texas and Oklahoma today. Interesting, interesting. Uh, that's a good update on a five star uh, from the Longhorns, uh, Jerry. Uh, this one uh, for all of us here. Uh, Poke Casino, hook them. Here to the here's to that secret good news possibly to come to today. I asked that this last time. Over under week one. Defense, five sacks, two turnovers. Who has the most sacks week one? So the secret good news yesterday we are talking about was Chris Del Conte's extension. Eric Nolene, publisher of Inside Texas, announced that uh, alongside the university, put it out around 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Athletic director Chris Del Conte has been awarded a seven-year contract extension. He's been on this program before. Great representative of the university and has done a lot of things the right way. Jerry and Justin, though, over under five sacks, two turnovers in, in week one. I got under on the sack department. I'll take over on the turnover department, and Baron Sorrell is going to be your sack leader after week one. Go, Jerry. Jerry. Um, I, I, think, I, took, I think I took the push on the sacks. Um, 
And uh, two turnovers, I think I took the over on that, actually, uh, Friday. I have to go back and think about it. Most sacks week one. Yeah, I leaned to, I leaned to Sorrell, but stay, stay I'm going to walk. I'm going to watch out for Alfred Collins against Rye. Oh. <laughs> you can't help it. Well, look, any guy that's had that good a camp or Sark keeps mentioning and keep mentioning, he hadn't done that in the past with Alfred Collins, okay? It's been more I, I, need Alfred to be more true. consistent. Now he's saying best camp, best camp, by far best camp. It's another level. Hey, guys, Poke Casino, thank you for the super chat. I want to say one thing, and I don't know that I've – said this appropriately, I, I opened with it, but we've heard of no major injuries. Correct. We did Biggest not. I, I, from today. We need a, we need a, I need to re-talk about that because I need to tell you all what I mean by that. So there could have been a guy nicked up, a, a an elbow, a, a hand, something like that. So I want to be clear about that. What I am saying though, there were no major injuries that were observed where they had to stop play where a guy couldn't get up and get off by himself without being, he didn't have to be carted off. So clearly no, unlikely, I should say, no major knee injuries, uh, head injuries, anything like that, where everybody had to wait around and see if something would happen. Like happened last year with Nayor, Junior Angelau, even even Roshan Johnson in that one practice. So I want to put that out there for folks. That, of everything that we will talk about today, Jerry and Justin, that is the most important thing perhaps we will say. Justin, your your thoughts really on Texas getting out of this period of three weeks and even spring practice as well. The only residual injury we know of right now from spring through fall is Savion Red still fighting a, a shoulder sprain. But as Jerry reported, even he was at practice just in a green jersey today. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things we've been watching with, with, with Savion, too, because that's a guy that was moved to running back and was hoping to get into that rotation. But as we've seen early on, you know, Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, C.J. Baxter, uh, Jaden Blue, <laughs> there's some dudes ahead of him. And so Red's going to try to get back on the field as soon as possible. To me, the biggest takeaway today is we didn't hear of any major injuries. And, and last year, it was almost catastrophic after the first and second scrimmages. They were just really bad ones. To me, that's the sign of a good season. You, you want to get through a good season, you're going to have to get a little lucky. And getting a little lucky means getting through the, this fall camp uh, unscathed as much as possible. Um, most of the green jersey stuff we'd heard earlier was Xavier Worthy was being sick. Yeah. You know, stuff with like Jalen Catalan was just kind of preserving him to, to, to get him ready. He doesn't need to hit anybody right now. Austin George anyway. role type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, DJ Campbell with the wrist injury at the end of spring, he, he endured that over the summer and it looked like he didn't miss a, miss a beat because he's been running with the ones at right guard and looking good. And so that's, you gotta be a little, you gotta be a little lucky to have a good run in college football in any given season. And I think the fact that Texas has stayed relatively healthy to this point speaks volumes about what their chances are this year. I, I, I want to say this. It's a really good sign or a really good day for Texas football when the basketball team has more injuries than a football team three weeks in the fall football camp. Okay, so let's just have perspective a little bit. The basketball team has more injuries than the football team right now. And the football team's been going full pads for two weeks. Uh, somebody asked, I was at Blake Ivey's uh, announcement. I just went by there real quick. I, I, Blake's a great kid. I, obviously, we knew he wasn't going to Texas. Um, he, he was a take for Texas. I mean, bottom line, they like Blake Ivey. Now, they didn't go all in on him early like a A&M and LSU did. Right. Um, and I do think that hurt Texas somewhat in it. But, hey, that's part of it. I mean, you're go, you have your – your a, your a group of guys, and you're going after those A's, then you move to your A minuses. I mean, and there was Blake was in that top 10 offensive line prospects for Texas in this class, but they, they would have taken a commitment from Blake Ivy, yes. Um, and that one came really came down to the wire between AM and LSU. I think mom won out for academics. Hey, Jerry, I want to stay with you real quick. Archmania has a uh, super chat question. Jerry or Justin, any buzz of interest from Horns on 2025 DL? Dylan Sanders from Belleville, we know they like him a little bit. In any buzz around that or anything? Yeah, I mean, they like him. 
I, I'm not sure there's not a thought he might not end up on the offensive line long term. Yeah. That's one thought. Uh, I think the top two in-state D tackles right now, flip a coin day to day, uh, Zion Williams at Lufkin, Dylan Battle at Mansfield Timberview. Those are two guys that Texas really, really likes at defensive line in 2025. Got it. All right. Let's keep going here, guys. We have a couple more uh, to get to as we get uh, more information coming in as well. We appreciate the super chat so far from MJ Allen, Eddie Lee. Uh, you make you Eddie Lee wrote this, guys, and I thought I gave him a hook'em sign because uh, reality is y'all make it fun for us too, right? Amen. Hopefully, you can hear hear the excitement in our voices uh, when we're talking to you guys too. Uh, let's go to a couple more things. I, I want to say this: uh, sad news. A guy that I've known for almost all my adult life, uh, Bill Little, the former sports information director at University of Texas, passed away uh, yesterday, we believe, or yesterday. Uh, it was announced by the university either late last night or this morning. Uh, Bill was a uh, guy that I grew up when I went to practice at Texas. Uh, he was there every single day, uh, had to be for 30 or 40 years. Uh, so, yeah, he will be remembered fondly, uh, said a lot of nice things, wrote a lot of nice articles over the years uh, on the Longhorns as well. Uh, Jerry, this is for you uh, from Rick. Here your Here's for your sunglasses. They are gas station sunglasses, though, Jerry, not Oakley's. Bobby, who's our next go-to offensive weapon in this class with Wingo, RPM to Mizzou, and Hudson to Tech? Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to look at the – uh, the uh, wide receiver out of uh, South, uh, Southern California, Jordan Anderson, uh, be on the lookout there. I don't think they're, however, giving up on either Ryan Wingo or Micah Hudson. So not even close. No. That's yeah, Justin. You, you. That's not. I've said it, and Jerry said it. It's not in the Texas DNA. You, you, you handle that one a little bit further, Justin. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw in a Terry Bussey uh, nugget in there as well, talking about offensive Good. weapons. Listen. Texas, you know, even though there's an RPM for for Wingo to Mizzou and, and Micah Hudson, Texas Tech, that does not mean anything to Texas. They, they, they're they going to continue to push this relationship. About a month ago, somebody reported, well, Texas and Micah Hudson have started back talking. They never stopped talking. This class, th this staff is relentless. They, they, they get a game plan for each cycle and they stick to it. They, they, they're very thorough in that regard. Uh, Terry Bussey's a guy that, you know, Texas is still taking swings at. I was able to catch up with him yesterday. Still undetermined if he's going to be able to play in week one next week when they open up at home against Beckville and, and their dynamic athlete, Jacoby Williams. We're not real sure if Terry Bussey's going to be able to play just yet. He's coming off that offseason injury, uh, knee injury. And so, but Texas is still recruiting him. Texas is still pushing, even though he's got an A&M lean kind of in him. LSU is creeping around as well. They're going to get him on campus in early September. But Texas recruiting at receiver, they, they are keep, keeping that relationship going, and they're not going to stop. There's a chance Bussey could be on campus September 16th for the Texas-Wyoming game. He told me nothing's set yet, but he's looking at that date, and that's the same uh, that, date Justin, that Ringo's date, is going to be there. Justin, that date with Bussey will be very telling where his recruitment's actually headed. Absolutely. Because he's got, he's got LSU, uh, Alabama on the 9th and LSU on the 23rd for official visits or football. What but, would be better? Texas to thump Bama in front of Bussy in Tuscaloosa, and then you get him on campus the next weekend against Wyoming. Well, the other thing is AM has a home game on the 16th, too. So that will be very telling, I think, in this recruitment is, I you agree. know, Texas and Texas AM both have home games on the 16th. Yeah. Uh, whichever one Bussy shows up to, I, 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 the other school will be like, well, you know, <laughs> especially if Bussy just made official visits to uh, Bama and LSU. And then doesn't go back to AM. That'd be interesting because he commits on the 28th. Uh, right. A UT boy asked about a super chat. I haven't seen a super chat come in for UT boy. I don't know if you have, Bobby. Uh, I have not, but that doesn't mean it hasn't happened. I'm uh, trying to. Matt, Matt Hutchison <laughs> is our uh, producer. And Matt is asking Justin, Matt, why does Justin love me so much? Uh, Matt's got today off. And so he is not actually hosting this chat with us. Uh, so, uh, Bobby, the reason I don't know, well, let me say this. The reason I haven't gotten to all the questions in time, that's something that Matt typically helps us a lot with guys. So also I'll, I'll note, I'll have you notice this every so often somebody else is speaking in the little box instead of the big box. 
That's because I'm trying to manage two or three different things at once uh, while this thing is going on. Uh, let's go to this, guys. And uh, we do appreciate Matt Hutchison for uh, he's with us in spirit, Bobby. He might yes. be a day off, but he is still with us. <laughs> All right, let's now, go. Now, Justin, wait. He Justin didn't answer the question. Is the reason you love him so much because he lives in the Redneck Riviera in Tallahassee? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey. My let's man go Matthew here. and I love Star Wars. <laughs> so we, we've got some connections there. I, and I don't hold him against him that he's a Phillies fan and an Eagles fan. Yeah. Listen, we could hold that against him, but – I got nothing but love for Matthew. All right, guys, let's get back to the let's get back to the the, the topic at hand. Justin Yarbrough, will Manny Muhammad be a starter by the end of the season? That's a tough one, man. Okay, well, I, I don't think it is. So here's my thought: There's injuries. There was injuries last year. Terrence yeah. Brooks ended up starting. Right? You have four tremendous corners. All four aren't going to stay healthy all season. Chances are he'll get a start or two, even if it's not the Rice game or Alabama game. Um, yeah, he's going to get some starts. Um, I mean, look, these guys aren't going to stay healthy all year. Um, it's just the game of football. I think uh, Muhammad will get a start based on his play this year, too. I'll say that. Um, and, and I think Gavin Holmes. I could see a scenario where all four guys actually have starts next to their names after the season. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm good with that. I, I think that's that's very likely. Let's go to this one real quick, guys, from Lime Painting of OKC. What are you guys hearing about our ability to run between the tackles? This is interesting because tomorrow morning I'm having a conversation with Ian about this very topic. Ian thinks that the addition of DJ Campbell, if he is a five-star and he plays like it, will help tremendously Jake Majors. That is no offense to Cole Hudson and or – uh, Hayden Connor. It's just the reality of both those guys were first year starters last year and really young for the job. Uh, Jake Majors was not the issue, according to Ian. So uh, I have not heard much. Uh, this it, it's really hard to gauge that. Um, and I'll say this it's hard to gauge that against the Texas defense because the Texas defense is probably. The, the front is as stout as Texas is going to play with the potential one exception, that's Alabama. So keep that keep that in mind uh, as everybody goes through that process. All right, uh, let's keep going here. Um, this one, uh, did I, oh yeah, Jalen Catalan. This is a good question, guys. Uh, Justin or Jerry, whoever wants to take this, do you think midseason, if Jalen uh, Catalan goes down with injury, do they move Ryan Watts to safety? I personally no. don't see that that as a possibility. No, no. I, I think they have four really good corners. I think those guys will all play each game, um, and and I don't think they mess with that. I think there's enough experience, safety depth, and young guys coming on uh, to where if Catalan wasn't there the last third of the season for some reason, Derek Williams may be ready to roll. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's you know you're getting to that point where. He will have had some games on special teams, probably some mop-up duty, and uh, he would be, what, a month and a half or, what, 12 weeks into his college uh, uh, career, uh, counting August practices. So I don't see that. I think the four guys that are at corner stay at corner. And All not right, to guys. mention Keaton Crawford getting some love from the Senior Bowl this week, talking about he's on one of their – you know, he's on their radar right now, and that's yeah. a guy that we, we don't talk much about. Yeah, and he's a backup. Yes, He's a backup. All right. Hey, Justin, uh, guys, I want to say this real quick. Uh, we we are all part of uh, InsideTexas.com. If you don't have a subscription there, we have a special $1 for one month as an introductory offer to anybody and everybody. Uh, we'll have more uh, scrimmage notes as we get them this afternoon. Not only do you hear from Justin Wells, Jerry Hamilton, myself, but also uh, Eric Naline, Paul Wadlington, Ian Boyd, Joe Cook, our beat reporter, uh, he's there as well as a managing editor. Uh, we've got a laundry list of guys uh, that uh, really provide uh, spectacular coverage of the Longhorns. Uh, hey, guys, this one from Jeff. I'm going to say Mo. Uh, I don't know exactly, though, Jeff. If y'all know of a silent commit, do y'all put in a crystal ball? Justin, I'll let you go first, Justin, uh, because this is a good question. I do not. I do not. Um, 
I, I'm, I'm curious to hear what Jerry said. Well, I mean, I know what Jerry's just going to say. I just want to hear him say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I do not do that. I actually have a little formula, a little system that I do with my RPM, the crystal balls. And, I'll, and if you ever come out to a meet and greet at, with the Inside Texas staff, a happy hour, I will, I will tell you the secrets to my success. But I do not, if there's a silent commit, I do not put in a crystal ball. There's some strategy that we like to use when it comes to those predictions. And once we learn about a silent commit, the last thing we're going to do is go blast it in, on an RPM. Yeah, I mean, one of my main things is, um, um, like, kid, like, so for instance, Cam Scott's announcing an on three. I'm not, you know, he's announcing an on three. Obviously, I knew where he was going, but I'm not going to throw in an RPM before he commits live on on three. So that that's one thing that has to be taken into consideration uh, there. But, you know, look, um, a lot of times, by the time the kid hits silent commitment level, we've already put in an RPM. Good so point. That, that, that's one thing I would say. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right. Hey, guys, hey, like was, hey, by the way, we almost have a thousand people in this chat. We man. do have a thousand. We have a over thousand a thousand people right in this chat. Hey, we'll, <laughs> we'll, if we can't get to all your questions, remember we have a live stream tomorrow night. We'll answer as many as we can, man. Is a night be all Jerry's day. dog? I, I, I gotta find my sunglasses. Um, <laughs> is, nine and three, is nine and three a regular season a disappointment? We've getting this question a lot. Um, that depends on injuries. To me, yeah. I mean. Uh, 10 and two is the number I have. Um, if I, I just think Texas is that talented of a team. Um, uh, but nine and three to me, guys, means there's been some injuries. Or maybe maybe there's a dinked field goal at the end of a game or something. But hey, Bobby. Ball, the football bounces odd ways at times, right, right guys? Justin? Let me take Travis. Let me take Travis's question here. Have y'all heard anything about how Taffy looks? Listen, Mike, Michael Taffy is the Swiss Army knife of the secondary. He can do a little bit of everything. If they if he needed to play corner in a pinch, he could play it in a pinch. Play nickel in a pinch, he could play it in a pinch. We, we talked about it earlier. There's going to be depth at safety. Michael Taff is one of the reasons there's depth there. That's one of the reasons I don't think you would see Ryan Watts get moved back in case the Catalan or somebody goes down. Listen, Michael Taff is very, very well respected, very smart, is always in the right place. That's, that's a guy that he is an incredible locker room guy. All right. Hey, good stuff, Justin. Uh, this one from Eddie Lee, guys. I think the staff is going to go after who they want. If they don't get them, they will hit the portal. I just see Jerry nodding your head. Jerry's already got that on a T-shirt. One million percent. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm gonna, his shirt's going to be like, I hit the portal. Uh, and on Texas football, I hit the portal shirt. That'd be and awesome. This is all I got was this stinking T-shirt. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, for sure. Look, I mean. If we go back to the 2022 recruiting class under Sark, they stayed on the A-list guys all the way through. And we've been down – we've talked about this before. They had no Kelvin Banks. They had no DJ Camel. They had no Neto in the class. Prior staffs would have got a couple of guys and then would have moved on about their business. This staff uh, absolutely is going to stay on their top targets. There is a lot of things that happen. Here leading up to signing day, you know, you just never know with the uh, coaching carousel what's going to happen. You know, we're seeing some kids flip right now early. Um, and so we're, let's see what happens there. But Texas is going to stay on their top targets, and they're going to fight all the way through those guys. And this is the advantage of Blue Blood has. And then if you miss, you can go to the portal. I put, a, I wrote a story on Inside Text yesterday about how Texas has ascended in the portal. Think about the guys they brought in in this class from the portal. They're all multi-year starters at Power 5 programs. Multi-year starters. I mean, so you're getting five guys. Three or four of those guys will have draftable grades in the NFL. That's the level of guys Texas should be getting in the portal. So if you miss on Micah Hudson, and there may be different, but you can go get A.D. Mitchell. 
And A.D. Mitchell's ready year one. He's caught four touchdowns in college football playoff games, eight for 150 in the college football playoffs. So if you're a blue blood, you you just it's easier because you keep swinging on your A's in high school and know you can go get somebody really good in the portal if you're doing your job evaluating. And there's stop gaps too. Yeah. That, that extra year helps Jonte Cook grow. Yep. It helps uh, Ryan, uh, DeAndre Moore grow. It helps Ryan Niblett grow without ha- without the pressure of having to be the only guy out there like we saw a year ago, uh, frankly, with uh, with Xavier Worthy versus when when Naor went out. He didn't yep. have anybody else. No, I have anybody. I mean, uh, the big Whitty- thing for Sabir Mitchell might be Trill Carter. Yep. He might be a guy that's pushing him that's been that's had 500 snaps in a Big Ten season. It's such a unique mix of guys this year. It really of new, of old, young, freshman, man. Hey, Hookham has a good question. What happens to the OL if Jake Majors goes down with injury? That's actually a good question. That's a good question. Well, you know, Cole Hudson, Connor Robertson, right? I mean, that won't be Connor Robertson. It'll be Cole first, then Connor, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But if Jake Majors goes down, one of those two guys, it will be the starting center. And then Hayden Cutter, Cutter, hey, hey, Justin. Center, and he could play there in a pinch with Neto Umiazulu going at left guard if need be. But that That's what I'm asking you. So I actually think take Connor Robertson out of it for a second, guys. Yeah. Okay. He's, he may he's be, still has another year he needs a development. Hey, well, he also is coming off injury. Got right. That's what, I mean. that's what I mean. So here, here's the question, though. Is the second team center, if it's not Connor Robertson, is it Cole Hudson? For sure, yeah. or is it Hayden Connor? Because remember, Connor worked there more in the spring, Justin. It, well, that's because Cole was out the entire spring. Cole's been doing that primarily this summer, and I think Cole would Cole Hudson would be your starting center if Jake Majors went out. Hayden Connor would be his backup, and then Neto would be Connor's backup. And that's why they're that's why Flood's trying to find eight guys, really eight guys that they can rely on. And and that's the thing. If a Jake Majors goes down, you've got a bigger younger, more athletic center, actually, in Cole Hudson waiting for him. All right. Uh, I'm going to keep going here. Uh, next question is an interesting one to me because it's somebody that we don't often talk about that uh, about much, and that's Biggins from Minnesota. He's asking us, do any of you think Finkley, Justice Finkley, has a surprising season? Hookham from St. Paul, Minnesota. By the way, I looked up the temperature in St. Paul, guys. I was thinking it's going to be like 75 degrees that far north. It's 91 in Minneapolis, St. Paul today. Uh, either of you guys, we heard some nice things, and Steve Sarkeesian said some nice things uh, about Justice Finkley. We heard some stuff, uh, good stuff behind the scenes. Either of you guys want to add to that? Well, yeah, I think the thing for Texas fans is just the perspective on what Fink, who Finkley is as a player is the most important thing. Could he have a surprising season being a second-year player, playing really well against the run, building on what he did last year. That wouldn't be a surprise at all. Bigger, stronger, faster year two of college football. Uh, He's uh, got some praise. I know he stood up really well in the run game uh, in practices in that first scrimmage. Um, But I think the expectations are the difference here. He's not a natural pass rush guy. He doesn't have that length and explosiveness. So are you going to see a guy – go from a run stopper, that's what his strength is, to suddenly a guy that's been getting after the quarterback consistently, no, that's just not who he is. So in perspective, keep it in perspective, yeah, I think he could be a much better player this year against the run. Thanks, Biggins, for the super chat, by the way. Uh, Guys, going here, uh, Jerry, I'm going to stay with you because uh, one of the things we heard about in today's practice, Justin wrote about it, I wrote about it, uh, and Jerry saw him in high school more than us by far, right? You went down to – Orlando two or three times to meet with, with Cedric. Uh, Flip Flop has a question. Is Baxter a generational talent like Bijan, Jerry? Well, they're such different backs. I mean, um, I mean, you know, I, I don't think he's the not that level player in space, right? He's not going to make the wild plays. I mean, you're seeing that with Bijan. Um, where I think Cedric Baxter is – very is similar to some really, really good backs is I, he's going to surprise people with his toughness and he, because he's six one two eighteen and runs a little bit upright. Um, he's some people have compared him to Larry Johnson from Penn state in the NFL back in the day. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a very, very good player 
because he's got vision that's translating to the college level. And I think he's going to be good in pass pro. I think he's a great leader. And he's going to be good out of the backfield. Generational talent, I mean, I can't say that. But I'm not sure with B. John Robinson, anybody could sit here and say he's a generational talent before he played a college game either. You know he's really good. But, yeah, I don't, I, no, Justin, I know you're not you're not doing that. Nobody have to on, say anything. I know nobody was getting on here saying the guy was going to be a generational talent. Um, I know Jerry, you and I had the same person trying to tell us that he was going to be a generational yeah. talent for two years, and I guess mm-hmm. we should listen to him. Demarco Murray, actually, somebody said is a uh, for Cedric Baxter. That's actually not a bad. Um, Without the Swiss cheese holes in his knees. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, Justin! All no, right, no, let's no, 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 Hey, no. wait, wait! I want to, guys. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me go. We'll we'll go to the next topic. Eric H is checking in from the Netherlands, guys. That's kind of cool. Appreciate what you guys, y'all are my go-to for keeping up on all things uh, Longhorns while overseas. Thanks for checking in with us as well, uh, guys. This one, Steve O'Matic. This is the ultimate question that we all ask ourselves multiple times if Alfred Collins is truly blowing up in fall camp like it's been purported why have we not seen it from him on the field in the first three seasons I'm going to take this for Jerry first it's because we've seen glimpses of it we've not seen consistency one of the things that Steve Sarkeesian mentions in every single press conference right now is I have to see consistency from these guys that's what he's after. Jerry, I'll let you go from there. Well, I think there's some guys um, that have been in, haven't been consistent, and then when they get consistent, they still have a ceiling that's lower. The thing with a guy, a talent like an Alfred Collins is if he ever starts reaching towards maximizing that ceiling, he goes from, dang, we wish we had seen more to a guy that could be drafted in the second or third round. That, this guy should have been a first-round pick. I bet, Bobby, we've been doing this a long time. He was a one of those kids coming out that you said, okay, if he go, if he reaches his ceiling, he's going to be that guy. Look at how the NFL drafts. Look at the people that were coveting him out of high school and recruiting. He was one of those guys with that skill set. Uh, so he's one of those talents that if he puts it together for one year, being a contract year, he can come out of nowhere because his talent level is so high. And you're like, then you're kind of pissed because you're like, man, how good would we have been if he would have played like that for two years? All right. Hey, uh, guys, before we go to this question, okay, I want to recap for folks that are just joining us what's going on today. So Texas had its first or second and final fall scrimmage uh, of the uh, uh, fall camp. Uh, The Longhorns, to our knowledge, suffered no major injuries. Like nobody was... I had to get carted off the field, any of that stuff. Now, somebody hurt an elbow or a hand. We don't know that, and we probably won't know that until either late tonight or tomorrow. Okay, that's number one. Number two, we were told that the defense won the first part of the scrimmage while the offense improved over the – they progressed over the time of the rest of the scrimmage. We also heard that Cedric Baxter – Jerry, Justin and I both heard the same thing on this – he, he was ready to break tackles today. So look at that. Uh, Jerry reported Malik Muhammad. Manny Muhammad had a, another caused fumble at practice. He continues to make plays. Uh, you know, he is a true freshman. We get that. He continues to make plays. The next guy we want to talk about is Anthony Hill. He continues to make plays. Uh, is Anthony Hill, Johnny Wayne RB, is Anthony Hill going to be a full-fledged starter. Justin, you go with this one. By the end of the season, yes. I think it's going to take part of the year. I don't think you're going to see it against Rice or even Alabama. Maybe Oklahoma by October. But That's where I was going. Yeah, he's got. He's going to have a niche. He already has a package of plays. He's already playing three different positions. So he's going to see the field. It's going to be one of those things, and I'd mentioned this earlier in our scrimmage report uh, thread at InsideTexas.com. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field. He's that active. He's 235 pounds right now, and he's playing like a shark straight ahead. This kid does not go backwards. And so the quicker he gets to the quarterback, 
the quicker I think you could start seeing starter type reps. I don't know when it's going to happen, but at some point this season, Anthony Hill will be a starter and probably will for the remainder of his career at Texas. I, so here's my here's my th- thought on it. If he plays well game one and then game two on the road at Bama, I think he's going to take over pretty quick. Well, that's week three or four. I think he's going to start the majority of the season. I, I, I just think he's that he's that level guy. And with what Sark is saying in the press conferences, that's very telling now. Very. I telling. want to say this, guys. I've he had an interception the- this week in practice, too. A one-handed one. I, I, I want to say this and add this to this uh, for you guys uh, that I, I think is interesting. I've mentioned Derek Johnson's probably the fresh best freshman linebacker I've seen at Texas since I've been doing this. Y'all, Cody y'all Pickett probably, agrees. Yes, yeah, y'all would probably agree, right? 100%. Definitely. Okay, all right. He didn't start his first game at Texas. Right. So just – be beware. Really get reps in that Holiday Bowl, right, Bobby? A lot of reps. No, no. Well, the Holiday Bowl was the thirteenth game of the season. I know. <laughs> Cody Pickett still has nightmares. Yes, uh, in Texas, and Major Applewhite are, uh, Major Applewhite is now in the Holiday Bowl Hall of Fame in part because of <laughs> because of Derek Johnson's play that day. Hey, uh, this was a super chat from Eddie Lee. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, I know Sark personally. He will be patient. Fans need to stay positive. I've seen nothing, guys. And thanks for the super chat. Have y'all seen anything that wouldn't tell you that Sark is a is a patient guy, or that he's? I mean, I'm not. I don't think there's any reason to be patient right now. I'm. Yes, we need to see a good year out of out of the Longhorns, but everything is trending in the right direction. Y'all, do y'all agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For sure. The roster's adding up. It, it starts with the roster. It starts with the players. And I think Sark's done a good job of collecting the players. Now he just has to take the next step, which is putting the points and the W's in the win column. Hey, I, I want to read something. Derek Johnson's freshman year, true freshman year at Texas. Uh, Big 12, co-defensive freshman of the year. 83 tackles, 57 solos, 13 TFLs, four and a half sacks. Uh, I would. I want to stat check that he did not play enough time as a freshman to collect eighty three tackles. That's There's right no off his. Way. That's right off his UT bio. That is an. That, and so, I know tackle numbers get fudged a little bit, but guys, I mean, I'm asking you. We didn't see much of Derek until later in the season. That's that. That sounds a little high. Bobby. <laughs> I, I am well. I'm trying to help out somebody here that's been a, a loyal fan, in my opinion, yeah. on these shows, and I want to make sure he doesn't feel like we're uh, messing with him somehow. Uh, and that is UT boy right now. Not yeah. I'm not denying. I, I'm not knocking the stat statistician for the University of Texas, but I mean, think about it, guys. Did Derek play enough to even get 83 tackles? To me, that's actually more impressive than the performance in the Holiday Bowl. Like they, they they played him against. Uh, I'll just tell you that the day I knew Derek Johnson was truly different. I knew he was different in high school, but the the day I knew he was truly different in the college game. OU threw a swing pass to Quentin Griffin. I think it was Quentin, one of those running backs that OU had that was smaller but really quick, and Derek Johnson covered covered him smothered him for his no gain one-on-one and literally just detonated him. It happened right in front of Bob Stoops. Yeah. Okay. And I was watching, I was like on the 40 yard line across and literally you could see Bob Stoops go <laughs> like that. He's like, we're probably not calling that play again. His first start at Texas came against Texas tech. I'm going to look when that game was that year. He had 13 tackles, two TFLs, and a sack in his first start of his career against Texas Tech. I'm going to look back and see when, what game that was. To me, the best memory was, and I mentioned his name a couple times, was the Washington quarterback, Cody Pickett. Because after the game, Cody Pickett had a, had a hobby, riding bulls. He said he'd never been hit like that before, and he'd rode, rode bulls his whole life. <laughs> I love stuff like that. 
All right, uh, let's keep going here a little bit. I got a few more questions for uh, uh, folks uh, here. Uh, one of them is this, guys. Uh, Terry Freeman saying, Worthy never looked like he was favoring his hand last year when he was playing or even on the sideline. So it makes you wonder a bit. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, peel back the onion on this a little bit, guys. So Xavier Worthy did multiple functions last year for the Texas One Fund during the season. Uh, not for the Texas One Fund, but for uh, Clark Field Collective, et cetera, last year. Okay. Um, one of those was at a, at a uh, elementary school. Okay. In that elementary school, Xavier had a soft pass on his right hand. Okay. That was during the season. So you could, you could choose to believe it. I, I believe Steve Sarkeesian in saying that, hey, look, he's had this the whole year. We didn't tell anybody because we didn't want anybody to know. But I also believe it because of this. I know the people that went with Xavier on some of those trips that he was doing. And on every single one of those, he had that on. It wasn't just a one-time thing for him. Uh, I think he took it off during, during the uh, season and when he wasn't playing uh, as well. All right. Uh, hey, uh, UT boy, uh, do us a favor and, and send us a question in. Uh, we don't know what's going on there, uh, but I'd uh, be happy to take care of that for you uh, as well. Uh, all right, guys, anything else we, we want to talk about here? Anything else you guys have uh, that we need to mention before we get going? Somebody's that, dog is uh, hurting there. That's rubble. That's uh, my, so English, my English bulldog has a question. He wants to know how Jerry's dog is getting on the dang internet. <laughs> I know. That's impressive. It's impressive. He's a, uh, Hey, uh, somebody's asking about Jamon tap. You know, apparently he's come on a little bit late running third team, I believe behind Sorrell and, and justice Finkley right now, like up to 265 ish pounds came in about 238 or 240 from what I remember. Like, but look, he was like Jare Bledsoe. He was as raw technically as you can get coming into Texas. Those guys take a little more time. So if he continues to be patient this year, I really have 24 and 25 pegged for uh, seasons for him to kind of make his mark. Hey, before we go this, I got another question. Have you guys heard any rumblings about Zabian Brown in Texas? He's not a wide receiver, is he? I thought he's a corner. corner. He, he's, he's a corner. cornerback committed to Alabama. Yeah, he's originally from he's the from state. Of, he's originally from the state of Texas, though. He just plays at modern day. Yeah. Let's say, yeah, he's at modern day, which means Brandon Baker – Spencer Shannon from last year, potentially DeAndre, DeAndre Carter. Carter, Jordan Davison, Marcus Harris, Brady oh. Sarkeesian last year, Steve They're Sarkeesian. Loaded man. Hey, are in all seriousness, is this a possibility that Texas? Are we hearing behind the scenes that Texas could be amping up some interest here? We're digging. I'd yeah, I think that. they have interest. They have interest. I'll say that. Well, he's talented. You got. I would yeah. think that interest would be natural. Yeah, but For I'm sure. certainly digging. Got it. Okay, good deal. All right. Um, all right. Look, we have t time for a couple more questions. Uh, Jerry, though, before we do that, and Justin, before we do that, I want you uh, to kind of sum up what you know of the scrimmage. Also, what you're thinking post scrimmage right now for the Longhorns. Yeah, I think um, the same playmakers we're see we seem to be hearing about after every scrimmage. And that's interesting to me. Young guys who continue to make their mark um, or making plays. I, I really think that's the kind of difference right now is Texas has more playmakers on their team than they've had in years past. And that's going to be a huge difference this season. Uh, when you have multiple playmakers on both sides of the ball, um, then you can mask deficiencies a lot better. And this Texas is not a perfect team, uh, but the more playmakers you have, the more guys you have that can make momentum changing plays. And that's on special teams. Somebody asked about special teams. Um, special teams I hear is doing very well. They're just looking for right now on the special team side, a little more yardage in the punt return game. I think they're happy with everything else. They love, they love the new punter, Sanborn, who they should. Bert Arvin's second year. Will Stone's got a stronger leg kicking off uh, in his second year. Uh, Keelan Robinson back. I mean, the two Sark said he, he thinks he has the two best gunners in the country, Keaton Crawford yeah. and Keelan Robinson. And that was that senior bowl reference was Keaton as a special teams player. I think Texas has the best roster they've had. I think they have more playmakers on both sides of the ball. Uh, for me, you know, I'm hearing Cedric Baxter's really continue to come on. You know, I think when it comes to game live situations, his 
vision is kind of taken over. I, I, it, because sometimes in the drills where he may be not as good as the experienced guys like Jonathan Brooks as far as the reps, drill in, dr- drill out and rep each rep, I think in the games, his talent and the, and the scrimmages in the live, his talent's really starting to uh, show up. And, Bobby, you said something and Justin said something earlier about how physical he ran today. Have you ever – Bobby, have you ever covered a running back from Florida that wasn't physical? Because you saw one last night, Jarrett Gibson is. He put a knee in somebody's shoulder pad, I think. Those guys are physical players by nature at that position in the Sunshine State. The ones I've covered over the years. That's fair. Justin, your thoughts on on this scrimmage and uh, where you see Texas at right now, bud? You know, it's it's kind of funny because when you look back at at teams that have had a lot of success – they all have different recipes for it. But one common thread is a, it's the unique mixture of senior leadership, juniors taking that next step, sophomores using that experience from the year before, and true freshmen coming in that can make an impact. Texas has such an eclectic mix of guys on this team. They've got great leadership from the upper-handed guys with, with Jalen Ford and Jaron Thompson and, and, and Quinn Ewers. They've got juniors trying to take that big next step possibly into their senior year, the Alfred Collins types. They've got those sophomores that have played great as freshmen, Kelvin Banks, Cam Williams, guys of that sort that are going to be in the mix. And then you have these true freshmen from Anthony Hill, from Manny Muhammad, from C.J. Baxter. Texas has such a unique mixture here, and I think that bodes well because – if you're too heavy laden on one or the other, freshmen, you're gonna they're not gonna have enough experience. If you have too many seniors, you're gonna have to have some guys that, that come in with some new energy, that come in with like a new a new chip on their shoulder. There is such a unique mixture in this locker room that right now that it's not one-sided. It's a good mixture of older guys, guys taking that next step, sophomores playing off of, of a great freshman year, and then some of these freshmen that enrolled early, that are there to make an impact and make it early. To me, that's the biggest takeaway. I think the mixture of freshmen and seniors in in Austin right now is the most unique part. Interesting. All right. That's good stuff, Justin. All right, guys, I want to say a couple things. One, uh, I I now understand what uh, Jante, uh, our UT boy, is asking about. Uh, To be clear, Paul was joking. It was an inside joke between me and Paul on either Tuesday or Wednesday night. I can't remember which. Now, where it was basically we knew that you were on and I was telling him how much of an advocate you are for Jonte. And so he made a joke about that. It wasn't you that he was. It was literally an inside joke that we thought you would be privy to, actually, because you were on the, the screen, we think. So that, that was it. Um, all right. Next uh, piece real quick for me. A uh, couple more questions that I wanted to get to. And this is a good one, I thought, uh, to really kind of finish, not necessarily finish with, uh, but get down to. Uh, This one is one of the battles we've been talking about, and it mixes in with the Anthony Hill discussion. And from Corey J, are Blackwell and Benda still competing for a starting job, or has someone someone won that battle? Uh, We have been told that Benda is the starter currently. Blackwell's a starter at Sam. So Will Backer is, is Benda. Sam Backer is Blackwell. How does Anthony Hill fit into all of that? You've heard Justin and myself and even Jerry as well say, we think that Anthony Hill is the future there. You know, but what does that mean immediately? I think it means what we talked about. Benda starts, uh, Blackwell gets his time. They try to get uh, Anthony Hill game reps uh, there in that, re- that regard. All right. Uh, one more question here uh, before I uh, have to hit it. Uh, Mr. Talk too much, Mr. 817 to the best people in the business. We salute you to hear Ian, AKA Mr. Bean say he's excited for the season. I'm drinking all the orange Kool-Aid I can find. Um, excited for the season. You guys, I think that's fair, right? I mean, is this the best Texas team we've seen in quite some time? It's the most talented. For sure. I mean, it is the most talented. Uh, I think it's getting back to the point where there's 25, 30 future NFL draft picks in your scholarship players. Uh, And that's where this program, why I think this program's headed in the correct uh, direction, along with a quarterback room that's loaded, 
um, and a really fun brand of football that people are going to love to watch. And, um, you know, that's that. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited because, look, I mean, obviously, as guys that work in recruiting, we know when the talent levels getting being raised in these programs. And Texas is really raising the talent level in this program right now. And so that makes the NFL draft more fun and makes recruiting more fun for Sarkeesian and these guys for sure. All right. Uh, people are asking about Derek Williams, guys, uh, and how he did in the scrimmage. We have not heard yet. Uh, we will be having more and more of this. Please join us on Inside Texas. Uh, all of our scrimmage news and notes will be up there. We'll be talk, adding to it throughout the day and night, as well as even probably tomorrow morning as well. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, thank you all so much uh, for Jerry Hamilton and Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com. I'm Bobby Burton. Please like and subscribe this video uh, to this video so you get the notifications when we're on. Uh, this has been On Texas Football, a special live stream following the Longhorns' second and final fall scrimmage of camp. Thanks.